Welcome to Hack to Start, a podcast focused on interesting people and the innovative ways they achieve success. I'm Franco Variano. And I'm Tyler Copeland. Each week we speak with a new guest about how they created, hacked, and hustled their way to the top and distill their insights and experiences for you. The path to success isn't always linear. Hack, start, and repeat. This episode is brought to you by Breather. Find beautiful, practical spaces that you can reserve on the go. Ghost, a simple, powerful publishing platform that allows you to share your story with the world. And SoundCloud. Hear the world sounds. You're listening to episode 82 of Hack to Start. This episode features Andreas Kambanis, the founder of Nibble Apps, a studio that creates award-winning food apps for iPhone and iPad. Tyler and I wanted to invite Andreas onto the show to share his story as an entrepreneur and app developer and how he's managed to get several apps into the top paid spots in the App Store while being featured in publications like Mashable, Time, Men's Health, and more. Andreas got involved with startups while in school when he built a site called London Cyclists after finding a gap in the market. He then began working with publishers, entrepreneurs, and other influencers to build great apps while traveling. He shares his story, some of the tactics and resources that helped him rank his apps in the top paid spots in the app store, how he builds his business while traveling, what it's like to visit Antarctica, and much more. This is an amazing episode you won't want to miss, so let's get to it. Hey, Andreas. Thanks so much for being on the show today, man. Thank you so much for inviting me on, Franco. Yeah, awesome. We've been uh, very excited to have you on the show and really looking forward to this. So let's dive right in. You know, can you tell us a little bit about yourself, like where you're from, what you studied, and how your passion for entrepreneurship really began to develop? Sure. Yeah. So uh, I was originally from Greece. I actually grew up there, spent my first 12 years there. And then uh, eventually my family moved to England, where I sort of got the rest of my education, um, studied uh, business uh, on entrepreneurship. And really, I guess the passion all started from my my dad. He was always running his own business uh, in Greece. So I always kind of looked up to him and thought, to be honest, I always thought that's just how the world works. Everybody just runs their own business. <laughs> so it was the only sort of route that I was ever going to take. So while you were in school, you actually launched a, a site called London Cyclists. What really motivated you to launch this site? And what were some of the biggest lessons you learned from this you know, first adventure in entrepreneurship? Yeah, absolutely. So the, the blog really came out of a kind of personal um, need. I started Googling around and I was looking for information for kind of casual everyday cyclists. And I found that most of the articles out there were catered to more higher level. And so I thought, okay, well, there's a bit of a lack of information here for those people that are just starting out. So I'm going to start a blog. I'm going to start sharing what I learn as I become you know, more of a cyclist, as I get more into it, as I understand the gear and some of the different things that go on in, the, in London around cycling. So uh, launched the site and it started to take off without much effort. So I sort of wrote, I think maybe 10 to 20 blog posts or something. And I started to get maybe a thousand visitors a month. And I just thought, oh, well, you know, if I don't put any effort in and I'm already getting a thousand visitors a month, what would happen if I actually went into this full time? So that was what I jumped into. As soon as I left university, I just started running the website full time. That's awesome. That's, that's really cool. So how did you transition from this towards, you know, mobile app development? Sure, that's a good question. So one of the things that I found out from the readers when I sent out a big survey um, and sort of said, like, look, I'm thinking about building one of these three products, uh, which one would you 
be most interested in. Um, and I sort of had a few other questions in there. I'm very much a big fan of the methodology of just go out and ask the audience what they want. It emerged that there was definitely a need for some simple bike repair instructions that anybody could follow. So I thought, right, well, this was around the time when, you know, the first iPhone had come out maybe a year or two prior to that. Apps were starting to make an appearance. And I was like, well, you know, it's a pain to carry around a great big maintenance book with you when you're going cycling if you need to do some repairs. So what if the information was just available in a digital format inside uh, an app and you could just tap to follow through the steps. Uh, so that made a lot of sense to me. So what I did was I went out, spent maybe six weeks uh, putting together this content. So it's just pictures of me in my garden, very basic, uh, you know, performing these repairs and writing these guides. And during that time, I approached a developer of uh, an app I was using, and I sort of said to him, oh, you know, do you want to team up? You know, I've got the content. I've started building up an audience through my website, London Cyclist. How about we work together? You do the coding. Um, I'll do the content and marketing, and we'll split the profits 50-50. Uh, so that worked great. We launched, and I think within the first 30 days, we did something like $10,000 worth of revenue. So I was pretty excited about that because at that point, I don't think I'd spent anything to, to put this thing together. Uh, and suddenly I had more money than uh, I ever could have dreamed of at that sort of early stage in my business. Um, so yeah, it was, a pretty, it was a pretty fun start. And that kind of got me interested in the app world. That's awesome. Really cool. So you're now the founder of Nibble Apps, which has a focus on creating healthy apps specifically. So what really motivated you to start Nibble Apps? Sure. Yeah. So I spent a few more years working on uh, London Cyclist, trying a few sort of ideas. Didn't really, nothing really took off. I kind of got the revenue to a certain point every month. And beyond that, I couldn't seem to kind of push it uh, beyond that. Uh, at some point, I joined uh, this group of uh, entrepreneurs, a kind of mastermind style group. And one of the guys that I met there in one of the meetups, which happened in Whistler um, in Canada, said that he was running this big, uh, you know, paleo recipe website. And he sort of talked me through some of the ebooks that he'd launched through it and how well it was all doing. And I was like, oh, well, that sounds good. Have you ever thought about doing an app? He was like, yeah, we thought about it, but, you know, it's, it's quite expensive and things like that. So I said to him, well, why don't we work together? You know, I'll do the app. You provide the content. And off we go. He said, yes. We launched it, and that was the start of uh, Nibble Apps. That was an app called Caveman Feast, which I launched while I was living in uh, Colombia. Uh, that got to something like the, I think it was the number one spot in the food and drink category, and it got to the top six in the overall sort of app store chart. So it became uh, a bestseller, if you like. So that was, that was really where it all started. That's awesome. I'm glad you really brought that, that first success story up because you've actually had several successful apps since then, including Fit Men Cook, which is a paid app. It reached the number two spot. Um, you know, can you tell us some of the tactics you leveraged to kind of reach that spot? What was it like? It's pretty tough these days to, you know, to do well in the app store. Um, the, it's very hard to find a big audience if you don't have an enormous budget. So how do you go about, you know, creating a successful app? What we looked at was what had succeeded for us previously. So prior to this, I had my website, London Cyclist. This had maybe 5,000 subscribers on the newsletter. It had a bunch of followers on Facebook and Twitter. Um, so I used that audience to launch my first ever app, Bike Doctor. And so the same formula was applied again when we launched Caveman Feast, our first ever app 
for Nibble apps. And that sort of followed the exact same rules. We needed to have a pre-existing audience that we could point towards the app when it launches. And exactly the same with Fitman Cook. You know, Kevin has a big audience on Instagram of a million followers. So we knew that the day that the app launched, we could send out a message to these followers and they'd head out and download the app. Now, one of the other things we did, aside from partnering partnering with somebody that does have such a big following online, such a big influencer, um, is we used websites like Product Hunt and Reddit and these sort of like hacker news and these kind of community style uh, websites where people can post new apps and products and sort of tech specific interest, you know, products that they've launched. And then these get upvoted and shared around in the community. Now, there are some tricks around this, not just anybody can post the product on there and it can be amazingly successful. Um, you know, one of the tricks is to make sure that you reach out to somebody that is an influencer within that website and you essentially pitch your product to them. So for Product Hunt, we had Paul from the App Guy podcast posted up for us or, or one of his connections posted it up for us. Uh, and th- that connection had a big following as well. So Each time we're using, again, the similar set of rules, right? We're never sort of approaching one of these things and just putting an app out there and hoping for the best. We're always doing so with an audience already in place. Uh, So that did really well on Product Hunt. Aside from that, we sort of reached out to some of the communities within Reddit that we thought would be appropriate for the app. And we didn't just promote the app because that's really frowned upon on Reddit. What we did is we shared one of the recipes from the app and we sort of said at the bottom, by the way, you know, we're available on the App Store at the moment as well. So it wasn't a very overt promotion. It was more, here's something useful for the community. P.S. You know, we've also got an app. That's great. So diving a little bit more into that, how would you recommend that, you know, new independent developers or entrepreneurs go about finding these existing communities and specifically, like, how should they approach influencers within that space? Yeah, definitely. It's very much about sort of finding a good synergy of uh, skills, right? So, you know, I bring to the table the app development skills, the knowledge of the app store, and the publisher brings their big audience. Now, often the publishers, they don't have much time, they tend to be really busy. So you kind of come together and uh, and you create something. So the way to, to pitch um, a publisher is some of the benefits that they're going to get, and also obviously why they should trust you and why they should work with you. And you'll find that publishers are keen to sort of hear you out, because essentially, you're you have the ability to add a big new revenue stream uh, to their business. So yeah, it's, it's, it's a case of, I mean, it's going to be trickier for somebody that's just starting out. That's definitely true. But if you start with some of the smaller sort of uh, blogs or, uh, you know, Facebook accounts out there, uh, and then uh, reach out to them, and then get your first few apps out, and then you sort of build your your following and you build your uh, the trust, uh, you sort of build your brand, right? So people start to recognize that, hey, this Andreas guy from Nibble Apps is pumping out absolute winners. Um, So, you know, the chances are that the next person I work with will have a similar level of success. So it's, it's definitely sort of start small, start with some of the smaller publishers and work your way up from there. So besides leveraging existing communities and influencers, are there any other insights or resources that, you know, you could share with independent developers who are looking to, you know, do the same thing and become successful in their niche on the App Store? Yeah, there's a few things that uh, I really like. Um, In particular, there's these newsletters that send a weekly roundup of a combination of sort of news for developers as it relates to kind of coding and things like that, but also uh, marketing uh, tips. So 
what you'll find in the community is that there's a few great characters out there that are sharing really great advice about some of the success that they've had or some of the things that have gone wrong. And you can learn a lot from that, especially if you're in a very early stage and you're still trying to figure out um, how to launch apps, how to be successful in the app store. So one of them is iOS Dev Weekly. Uh, it's a fantastic newsletter with thousands and thousands of subscribers. There's also appmarketinglab.com and appmarketingweekly.com. So those three are really great newsletters and they really sort of try to keep you up to date on what's going on within the Apple ecosystem. Awesome. Those are some great resources. We'll definitely link out to them so anyone listening to the show can can go and check those out and uh, we'll have to check them out as well. Those sound really, really cool. So what's next for you and Fitman Cook in, in 2016? Yeah, it's a good question. So what we are working on now is we're working on an update to Fitman Cook that will ensure that we can add new recipes really regularly inside the app, which is something that has been requested from us uh, repeatedly. Next month, I'm going to take off uh, to Whistler for a month and do some skiing, which I'm really looking forward to because I've always wanted to get better at skiing and never uh, had the time. Um, and aside from that, we're going to be looking at some new partnerships. So we'll be launching some new apps within the next sort of three to, to six months. So, yeah, it's an exciting year ahead. So you mentioned a few times throughout the episode that, you know, you've been working from different locations while building some of these apps. What's it like, you know, running a business from the road while in different countries? Yeah, it's it's cool because what I really like about it is when when I'm at home and, you know, I'm in London now, I've just come back from a two month trip in the US. And when I'm back home, it seems that the um, the tasks just seem to fill the uh, the entire day on the road. I know that I've got, OK, I've got two hours here with Wi-Fi or OK, I've only got this one month where I'm living, you know, in Buenos Aires in Argentina. So I need to fully utilize that month. Uh, to get things done. Whereas when I'm back home, it's just like everything just seems to just spread out and take longer. So I become unproductive. So surprisingly, taking the business on the road has been really good for having very focused uh, work time uh, and very distraction free because at the end of the day, your friends aren't around to invite you to go to the pub for a drink. So you tend to just sort of sit down and get on with work. So I found it very good from a productivity standpoint, which isn't something you'd perhaps think from the outset. Uh, and the other big thing is that it also allowed me to drastically reduce my cost of living. So in London, a typical rent might set you back in the region of $1,500 a month uh, plus. Um, so that's a lot of money to have to make, especially when you're first starting out a business to solely meet your, your rental costs. Now, if you take your business on the road in places like uh, South America, Central America, a lot of places around um, Asia, uh, you're going to be able to live uh, off $1,000 to $1,500 a month. So suddenly your cost of living absolutely plummets and you've got more money to invest in the business as well as you buying yourself a longer runway uh, to succeed. So it's actually taking the business on the road was one of the best decisions I ever made. That's cool. So you just mentioned, you know, being focused for short chunks of time. How do you stay organized and, and productive during during that time? Do you have any tips or insights to share? Yeah, definitely. It seems, uh, I think it's just the product of, okay, I don't have all day, I have two hours, let me focus on what is the most important things to do right now. So there's a lot of tasks that will pop up that you think, oh, it would be, it'd be nice to do that. But those all get eliminated. So you focus on just the really important things that have to get done in order for a project to proceed. 
So would you have any advice or insight for entrepreneurs who might be thinking about traveling while building a business? Is there anything that they should, you know, look out for in particular or make sure that they really investigate properly? Yeah, there's a lot of um, sort of practicalities. Like a lot of countries now, you can get a really good uh, 3G uh, internet card so you can have connection uh, wherever you go. So I recommend looking into that. And some countries will be better than others. Um, you know, Peru, uh, I launched an app while I was sat on a on a bus journey to visit some uh, ancient ruins in Quelap. So it's you know, you'd be, you'd be amazed some of the places that you can you can work from. And, you know, I was sat there trying to do the screenshots using uh, Sketch uh, to, to, to upload them into the, um, into the iTunes dashboard. So you can really work from anywhere. Uh, so you definitely look for 3G cards when you enter a country. Also, think about sort of staying in one place for a longer period of time because, one, you'll get to discover much more about it and learn more about it. But two, it gives you a chance to have way more focused sort of work set up. So we would you know, go to Buenos Aires for a month and we would rent an Airbnb for that month. And so we knew that, OK, for this month, we've got solid internet connection and we know that we've got that time frame to get any work we need to do done. So, yeah, Airbnb, uh, 3G cards, these things are, are definitely going to be your friend. That's awesome. So with all the traveling that you've done, do you have any, you know, funny or crazy stories about some of your travels that you could share with us? Yeah, I guess I guess one of the highlights would be uh, we, me and my buddy, when we were traveling together, we were really keen to get to, Argent, to, to Argentina and from there skip over to Antarctica, right? It's the, you know, it's the seventh continent. It's the one that not a lot of people get a chance to go to. It's penguins. It's, you know, all these beautiful sites. It's, a, but it's essentially, it's another world. So what we did during that time is we went to uh, Ushuaia, which is in the southernmost uh, city in Argentina. And we just camped out there for the month of January while we waited for a boat to have a couple of spare places so that we could jump on board as well and, and you know, get it at a much discounted price. During that time, we found one place in town that we really liked eating. We just kept going back there and uh, it was this pizza joint. So we ended up, it was the only place in town that had really good internet for working. So we were just on a strict diet of nothing but pizza every day. But it was... Uh, it was a lot, a lot of fun, and uh, Antarctica was uh, an incredible experience that I'd highly recommend uh, to anybody that's visiting that part of the world. Some of the kind of one of the nights you actually get to sleep out on uh, the continent, uh, and it's just complete silence around, and then suddenly you'll hear these great big uh, sort of ice blocks. Uh, coming off the sides and plummeting into the sea and they just make this incredible sound that reverberates against the emptiness of uh, of the place so yeah something i highly highly recommend wow that sounds incredible probably an experience that not many people get i'd recommend it highly yeah you can um you can do it for yeah it's, it's not as expensive or difficult as you'd think so yeah i'd, I'd recommend it so what are some of the most recent apps you've used you know both personally or professionally yeah, definitely. So I've become a big user of um, Slack. I've been using Zombie Run recently. It's a bit of an old app, <laughs> but uh, I absolutely love it. Um, it seems to get me out on a run way better than anything else. One of the ones that uh, I've been using recently was one called Way of Life. It was recommended by uh, Kevin Rose, the founder of Dig. And, um, yeah, it's a really good way of just keeping track of uh, different habits that you're trying to form and 
with it being January, we're all in the sort of habit setting mood. <laughs> so you've already shared a few resources to help app developers, you know, rank their app within the app store. Do you have any other recommendations on some great content that you might've come across lately? It could be anything like books, videos, blog posts, both for apps and, and maybe just startups in general. Yeah, definitely. So there's some, what I really love is when a developer will actually post their success stories along with, um, you know, some statistics and things like that. It really sort of helps you understand the the app store because you can see, okay, well, these guys got to the number one in the productivity category and they were doing $10,000 of revenue a day, uh, $20,000 revenue a day. So it's really helpful because it really starts to give you uh, an impression of what the possibilities are so you know okay well if I spend ten thousand dollars building an app but it can get it to that then I can have this much success so I'm really impressed when people are feel comfortable enough to share some of their numbers so overcast is uh, one of one of the guys that have shared um, some really interesting stats as well as the story of exactly how they got there and how they promoted it monument valley was another fascinating one this was a hugely successful game um, in 2014-2015. Uh, I think they were picked as one of Apple's app of the year at the time. And um, they've shared some of their download numbers. They shared some of the feedback that they got, how they got there, what went into the work of producing such an app. Uh, hours tracker. And, and there's a couple more that I'll make sure that I send your way that you can share with readers. But it's definitely worth looking out for some of these stories that really break down exactly how somebody uh, succeeded in the app store because you can learn a hell of a lot. Yeah, that's awesome. I definitely have seen the Monument Valley blog post and Overcast um, a while ago. Those are both really good case studies and we'll link out to some of the extra ones um, that you're going to mention to me later on just so other people can check it out. But do you have any last thoughts or personal models that you live by and you think others should know about? The only one that springs to mind would be the importance of I think a lot of people start their journey with a sort of I want to be a millionaire, perhaps, right? I think it's better to start the journey with thinking, how am I going to add value to somebody else? And then sort of feeding back from that, how that ultimately will result in you know, revenue success and things like that. So all of, our, all of the apps that we've launched have always sought to help people out with a healthier diet, um, help people repair their bikes, things like that. So really think about what is the problem that, you know, there's a big enough group of people out there facing and what can I do to solve it? Um, and that's always seemed to work really well for us. Wow, it was really cool. Andreas, man, thanks so much for taking the time to be on the show. Really appreciate it. Franco, thanks so much. It's been a pleasure. Well, that's about it for this episode of Hack to Start. You can find all the important links beneath the show. Be sure to follow us on Twitter at Hack to Start and sign up for our newsletter to know about all the latest episodes, behind the scenes content and more. Thanks for listening and see you next time.